we took a little bit of a, of a break, but now we're back. Playoffs are in full swing. The Devils are down 2-1 to the Rangers. And we're here, Ryan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are. We are, yeah. Um, as it, well, first of all, congratulations on your big move to the hockey news. It's very exciting. Uh, it, the playoffs also coincide with uh, the brewery I work for, elementary, turned seven this past weekend. So I'm tired. I have a lot more responsibilities on my plate, as do you. So um, it was kind of uh, terrible timing with the playoffs starting. But here we are, ready to talk about Devils hockey in a significantly better mood than we would have been talking about this 48 hours ago. Very true. Um, <laughs> and you've been very busy. You got a promotion. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And yeah, so I transitioned from the hockey writers to the hockey news, in case you did not know that. And, um, yeah, it's been a wild week and a half. Um, it's been really crazy. I'm sleep deprived. And in addition to learning how to run the devil's site, because that's what I'm doing, I'm running their um, devil's team site from through the hockey news. I had to learn all the back end stuff. And, you know, I, I had editors at the hockey writers and this is mm -hmm. just me. So I had to learn everything. In addition to experiencing my first playoff hockey experience, which is, a lot faster, a lot busier. It seems like I'm at the rink every day or every other day. This is actually, I got home last night from the train uh, from the city. It was my first time covering a road game, which was the best. It was the best experience. But I got, I got home at like 2 a.m. And then I went to bed, I think, at 3. And I was uh, up at like 9 a.m. So I'm running on like fumes. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's toughy. That's that's never, never a good thing. Um, that's the, the way people talk about, well, at least you get to stay in your own bed, but like, yeah, but that's like a long haul home for you afterwards. That's, and, that's not around the corner. No. And I was actually, <laughs> it was very nice because, um, Ryan Davinsky, he actually changed his travel plans because I haven't been in the city in about seven years and I don't do public transportation. Like my anxiety and public transportation don't mix. Oh. So he was nice enough to change his travel plans to take a train in with me so that he, I basically just followed him around. I was like a child. I was on sensory overload in the city. I just followed his backpack and just directed me where to go. That was <laughs> every day yesterday. So thank you to Ryan. Otherwise, it would not have happened. Um, very sweet of him to change his schedule. I go to New York so seldomly. I had to go for work recently. Um, and I was walking through like the Christopher Street area from the PATH train to the subway. I was like, oh, yep, yep. I'm, I know this. This is, this is New York. Yep. <laughs> I'm just never there. I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Like I was, oh. I was up on the bridge and they give out like vouchers with your credential. So you can go and get food and stuff like that. And they had a Dunkin' Donuts stand at MSG, which is amazing. Credential Center should have one. And I wanted a hot chocolate because I'm a child. I went over to security and I said, where's the Dunkin' Donuts? And he looked at me and goes, oh, on the eighth floor. I said, where am I? And he goes, the 10th floor. And I looked at the escalator, I looked at the elevator, and I said, I don't want to do that. I said, where can I get like a hot tea? And he's like, ma'am, everything you need is on the eighth floor. So I just didn't move because I said, I'm not, I was, I'm going to get lost trying to get back here. So I just stayed and just kept Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, the, I think the, the rink level of MSG is the seventh floor, I believe. Listen, I'm going to be it's real. something like that. I know that Devils fans always say that like, oh, MSG sucks, blah, blah, blah. That was the best place. The absolute best. The press box, second to none. The view was absolutely amazing. I have nothing but good things 
from to say about watching a hockey game at Madison Square Garden. Of course, I was on the bridge. I was not in the, the stands and everything like that, but it was an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, I uh, I don't really go to sporting events there. I, I don't really care about basketball, and I don't like the Rangers. Uh, I, I see concerts there every so often, and it's a nice building for concerts. But you know, I'd rather watch a game at Prudential for me. Yeah, it's all it's and again, it's all about perspective, right? Fan experience versus like journalist writer experience, two totally different things. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it was funny because I had a feeling they were going to win last night. I didn't say that on my New York Post interview, but I had a feeling that they were just going to come out like swinging because I feel like this is a team that it's almost like you have to kind of hit rock bottom and then they grow and then they just, they know what to do and then they, they, they execute. Yeah, they certainly, I, I actually thought the same. Um, actually, I, I put money on them after the first period. I'm like, here we go. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I should tend to put money on myself when I get confident like that. Um, and uh, yeah, they rewarded you with a full effort last night, right down to the goaltending. Um, I thought I thought Vanacek looked a little sloppy with his um, crease presence over the first couple of games. He was a little too aggressive with his movement. It kept him just a little bit out of place, which allowed him to get taken advantage of. Um, you know, the team didn't do him any favors in front of him, but he did to me look like he was a little bit fish out of water, uh, flopping around a little bit. Uh, and Schmid looked very comfortable, like smooth sailing. Nothing's bothering me. Well, so. And I think too, I think VTech, because I do agree with Ruff. I think there were some goals in game one and two that he would obviously want back, but I yeah. wouldn't say down and say that he is to blame for the game one and two loss because it was a team effort. The team as a whole did not look good. When you're not scoring five on five, you can't sit down and say, oh, we lost because of our goaltender. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying we lost because of him. I'm simply saying while I was watching those games, in my head, I was like, he looks a little all over the place. That's it. Because he looked yeah. a little all over the place. Um, yeah, and I think people forgetting that, I think VTech only had like four playoff games of experience before mm -hmm. game one. So the nerves are there, and there's always that much oh. on the goaltender. And I think Ruff is right. When a team loses – People immediately look to the goaltender and they don't look at anything else. And yeah, they they were awful in those first two games. I felt like they didn't do what they needed to do, which is what they did all season, which is just play their game. If the Devils do what they do, other teams have a hard time with them. And you saw that in game three. They came out, they played their game, they got it wheeling up and down the ice, and that's exactly what you saw. Well, yeah, and you know what? Let's go on a little side tangent here because this is actually something I want to bring up. So I did yesterday afternoon before I went to MSG, I did an interview with New York Post Sports, which I've done a couple interviews with them now. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions they asked me was about like what adjustments the team has to make going into team into game three. And I said they have to stay out of the penalty box. They're shooting themselves in the foot. They have to stay out of the penalty box. And I said, and I think they're being too fancy with the puck. Just at this point, yep. you're not getting shots. Like, if, if you're not scoring five on five, don't look for the fancy play. Just look to get pucks on net because you always hear coaches and players say, oh, you know, we got, we just got the puck on net. And, like, look what happened. Somebody was there for the rebound. Yeah. I, I got home last night, and I talked to my mother, and she goes, you were destroyed in the comment section of this video. And – it was, I had, it was all men, of course. And it was saying, how, <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
I like, this is why women shouldn't speak about sports. They're given a platform that they don't deserve. And like, has she ever seen a hockey game? All this stuff. And I sat back and I said, okay, one, I'm overtired and I'm running myself to the ground. So I said, maybe I just didn't properly like say what I meant to say. So I went back to the interview and I'm like, I said such generic things. I said, what is wrong with people? And guess what? They went and they played game three. They were shooting the puck more. Yep. They got more shots on Shesterkin. Mm-hmm. They played their game. They lived, I mean, they still took really bad penalties. And some penalties were questionable, if we're going to be honest. But they were still in the penalty box. But, like, the PK made a difference. And I'm like, everything I said led to them winning the game. Yeah, they made a nice adjustment. They made a nice adjustment on the PK in particular. They went from playing that diamond that they were playing in the first two games. They switched to the the more traditional square setup because uh, Kreider kept getting loose in the corner of the goal, and you can't you can't have that guy cover two people. So they made that adjustment in game three, and their penalty kill looked much better. And you know what? I was actually trying to pull up the quote um, from the article I wrote today, but John Marino basically said that they had so much video of what they did wrong in the penalty kill in game one and two that he goes, yeah. that really helped us because we saw how many times and how many different ways we basically like screwed up my wording, not his. Yeah. But like, I think that's what this, that's kind of like what this team does though. Right. Like they started out, you know, losing two games, five to two in the regular season. It's like, they learn, it's like, they have to go through that for themselves. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I also think there's um, there, there's something about this team on the road. Obviously, best road team in the league. Uh, we all know that, but there's there really is something to that. They seem looser, they seem calmer. It seemed like that road game actually settled them down instead of made them more nervous, which is not something you'd expect. And I think the play of Akira, like you, it's. You know, you have some people sit down and they're like, oh, you know, Akira didn't, wasn't really challenged. So he didn't quote unquote steal the game. But I think having his calmness in the crease was a difference. Yeah, definitely. And I had a a buddy over Saturday night who um, lives in South Jersey. He's a Flyers fan, not like a rabid, crazy one, just like grew up a Flyers fan. He played hockey in high school and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was excited because he hadn't watched meaningful hockey all year and he hates the Rangers. So, so here I'm like, we're friends tonight for these few hours, you know, this will be good. Um, and, and he is, is watching the game and he noticed right away uh, that Schmid was super, super calm, but he, but then he makes the point of, you know, well, what do you do? How do you go back to your starter? I'm like, it's easy. The kid plays until he loses. And then you can go back to your starter if you want to. It's super, super simple. And that's, that's what you need to do here. Like he's, Schmid's got to play again. He has to play the next game. You would think that Akira is going to get the start for game four. You would think. Because, I mean, you're looking at it. And again, I think Vitek was the victim of the rest of the team's jitters in game one. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's just kind of the way it went. But for me, you know, I the way I look at it, Akira earned the backup position, right? Like he earned it over Blackwood and that's just unfortunately that's what sports is if you're not playing well you're always going to have somebody who's going to be trying to steal your spot now you're looking at him and I think there's a lot of people that are like oh Akira is our number one at this point I gotta be honest I don't care who's one or who's two just play tender that's going to get the job done yeah and right now it looks like that's going to be for at least potentially game four it's going to be Akira 
Yeah, you got to go back to him. Um, I think at this, I, I think you have to. You don't hit. You don't hit the Luke Hughes panic button just yet. Um, I said if you're up or down three one in the series, that's when you should see him and put put the kid in a position to succeed. You know, it's one of my favorite lines. Um, but it, it's. I think you go back with the same lineup you had in the last game and uh, get out there and do the same things you did. I think it's so funny though because when you. When you, when I think when fans see the practice lines, when we, you know, when everyone that's, oh, I lost my mind. Or when they see like the warm ups, everyone loses their mind. And I remember I was actually talking with Ryan, I guess on Friday at practice when the lines were all like a little like loosey goosey, a little squirrely. And people were freaking out. And I looked at Ryan and I said, I'm not really sure why people are freaking out. Because the one thing that Rupp said to us was when you look at the line changes, he goes, usually there's two guys that play really, really, really well together. And those are the two guys that you kind of stick together. Yeah. And then he goes, when you insert that other guy, that third player, sometimes they just bring something different to the lineup. And I'm like, okay, when you look at Palat, Heischer, and Brat, they had success before Palat's injury. So that makes sense. And that line yeah. has potential to be very, very strong. So that makes sense to me. Paula and Hughes, Hugh, I, people can say what they want, but go back in the season. Hughes' best moments were when Hall was on his wing. So that oh, agreed. makes sense to me. McLeod, Mercer, and uh, was it Boquist was with them? That was a little bit like, you know, misfit toys kind of for me. But I said, okay, it works. It the works. third line's been a little bit of that all year in a way. Exactly. The third line has always been a little, a little questionable. So I'm like, that makes sense. No problem. You enter Lazar into the, into the lineup. I like that. I like Curtis. I like what Curtis has to do. I like what he brought last night. Didn't take a penalty. Yeah. Had four hits. You know, you have Timo Meyer that's kind of like floating around. But honestly, he didn't get on the score sheet last night. But he, he was everywhere. He made an impact. He was all over that game. And and good good on good on the coaching staff to sit Miles. He deserved to sit. He took some dumb, dumb penalties in the first couple of games. When you tackle a guy from behind without your stick. Dude, you get to sit the next game. I'm sorry. So you anybody, have to. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that my biggest pet peeve in hockey is taking a penalty in the offensive zone because there's no need for it. There's not a threat of a goal. There's no need for. Uh, there's no need for it. Agreed. So when I saw Miles and Ruff said this last night to us, he said, "You know, I talked to Miles after game one with that penalty, and then he took another offensive penalty, you know, in the second game, and it was the discipline that led to him being scratched." Mm-hmm. After was it Friday's practice? I'm sorry, guys, everything's blending together. I think it was. <laughs> I went and talked to Damon, and I said to him, "I said, you know, Damon, I said, you know, you guys weren't taking offensive zone penalties in the regular season. Like, this is kind of new for you guys. So, like, what's going on with like this spike? Because we're seeing this quite frequently now in game one and two. And he, um, if I actually could pull up his quote for his answer, because it was actually he said he's like it could be a mixture of things. Maybe just over aggressive. The guys are excited and they want to get in there, and make a difference, and keep the puck in the zone. It's just everyone's excited, everyone's aggressive, and everyone wants to be a difference maker in the playoffs." And I said, I understand that. I understand there's a lot of emotion and it's part of just, you know, being an athlete. And I think that's the difference between the veterans and the rookies is you have to learn to keep those emotions in check. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's, it's good to see these guys all adjusting to it. Really. The moment doesn't seem too big for Jack, but the moment seemed too big for a lot of them. The first couple of games, 
uh, and they've settled down nicely. They're going to come back. Um, are they staying in the city or are they home in their own beds? Uh, they came home, but I think they're going back. So they're spending the night in Manhattan? I think so. Okay, cool. I like that. I, I was I always like when um when they would make the team do that when during the playoffs like stay at a team hotel and all that good stuff. Yeah, and um and I think too and it's like you, again it's all about perspective. Like when I'm with Miles, like Miles is a guy that he cares about his team. Like he's the guy oh. that really cares about that locker room. Same with Brendan Smith, same kind of guy. Like he cares. I don't know if you'll find anyone who cares more about that locker room than Miles. Here's my question for you, right? Based off that, can they make that same impact without having to be in the lineup? In your opinion, you know, it's interesting because I go back to when I interviewed Cam Jansen months ago, mm-hmm. and he said that before the Stanley Cup final games, he obviously did not play, no. but he said, you know, Lou and the coach wanted me to be the guy to go in the locker room and just kind of like keep the guys loose, keep them laughing and be kind of like that raw, raw guy before they took the ice for the game. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I was so honored to be that guy. And he said, and it sounds cheesy and like nerdy, but like, I was just so happy that they took that and thought that I was the guy to do it. And I kind of feel like, okay, so that is making an impact with the team that is helping the team, even though you're not on the ice. So I guess to your question, I guess kind of, I guess okay. it depends if they're that, you know, I'm not sure for like with Cam Jansen, if that was just like oh, an instance thing or like a Lou thing. I don't know. I don't know if that's normal around the league. If the guys that aren't playing will go down and like, you know, joke around and keep the guys really loose. I'm not really sure. Gotcha. Um, but I do know that Miles does really care about the team. So oh, I'm, that, I've never doubted that for a second on that part. Like you kind of feel bad because you're here, you, you know, you go on social media and I have all these like DMS and everything that's like trashing miles. Like when's he going to leave the team? And you just, you, you feel bad. Cause there is that element. I'm like, buddy, nobody cares more about that team than the guy sitting up in the press box right now. Yeah. Oh no, I, I guarantee it. And, and again, let's be honest. If it's, it's going to be next year, he's not going to be on the team next year. So like everybody calm down. I mean, he certainly could, He's he'll he'll not get paid probably what he would get paid on the open market by us. Same with Severson. Um, but uh, you know, can we talk about uh, Graves's rough couple of games too? He's been less than ideal. Even in the win, he took a one penalty was a tough call. Uh, the one of them was a tough call. The other one was a bad penalty. I think that, yeah, even when I was going back, um, I was working on an article and I was looking at all Chris Kreider's power play goals. And I was like, all four of them, it was uh, Marino and Graves. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like it was Siegenthaler out for a shift. It was Marino and Graves. Now, see, I thought that – I see, I think that Hamilton also had some, like, tough stretches too. Yeah, Dougie's, Dougie's going to give you some stretches of tough defensive play. Uh, and that's – that's we've talked about this all year also. That's the side effect of Dougie. Uh, what I what we've also talked about is he can't be turning the puck over, and he hasn't been doing that in at least no, at least noticeably in the playoffs. Uh, they've been a little bit more careful with the puck um, than they generally are. They they let it rip a little bit more in the last game. Um, yeah, but the, that's that is kind of the side effect to him. Uh, it's it's when Graves looks stupid on defensive plays when you really start to get concerned. Um, and he just stood out as just the guy who looked 
like he wasn't quite on his edges or like really ready to go. It was just, you know, so if, if you are going to do the Luke Hughes thing, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to sitting Graves for a game. See, I, Graves. I like him a lot as a player. I'd like to resign him for next year. But, you know, if you're going to do it right now, that's the guy. I be think, honest. I think for me, when I look at Graves and Marino specifically, I felt like when they both got injured, when they both came back, Neither of them were the player that they were before the injury. What were their injuries specifically? Do we know? Or is it just the generic NHL upper body and lower body, which that's got to go. It, I believe it was generic upper body, lower body. <laughs> to be honest, my, my brain is so shot right now that I can't even, I can't even recall it. Um, oh, I'm sure. They were injured at the same time. Um, I felt that when they came back, neither of them were at, the form they were at before they got injured. And I'm not saying that they performed badly. I just felt that it was not at the exact caliber. Mm -hmm. Watch Graves. And again, this isn't inside information. This is just me watching and just having thoughts. I'm wondering if he's injured or if he's nursing something or there's a nagging injury there. Yeah, I'll I'll watch him skate and keep that in mind. Even entering the postseason, I thought that he kind of like struggled a little bit. Agreed. Um, and again, just wasn't up to the, what he was doing in the earlier, you know, earlier in the season. So he's a player that, you know, once the, once, whenever their postseason ends and the injury report comes out, I'm curious if his name is going to be on it. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you, you know, I said, I thought Miles Wood had a l- little head injury, um, way back. And that explained his very confusing play for quite some time. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Um, but it, that's, that's what it looked like to me. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Timo's more dinged up than he's going to let on. He took some, uh, he, he took, took a, some toughies. Took a, My man took some toughies. Yeah, he took a beating yesterday. I was watching him just falling all over the ice, just circling punching him. I was like, this is just. Yeah, apparently that's just totally fine, you know. Well, he did get the penalty for it. I know, but still, dirt bag. <laughs> I just Sorry. thought that was very. I thought that was like very unchisurkin. Yeah, like, it's. I, punching it didn't like we were all kind of looking at him like what did he just punch him like he felt like he didn't even i don't know and And he got hit into him the the guy on the broadcast i forget i'm gonna get the name wrong right now so i'm not gonna say it but when he was doing color on the broadcast last night who suggested that timo meyer quote intentionally took a fall into igor shesterkin when he's clearly hit he's like oh he adjusted the way he fell on the way down and i just turned to my wife and my buddy i'm like apparently timo meyer's a goddamn magician he can just change the way he falls that was the worst homer rangers crowd the only thing that saved it was pk between periods he's fantastic he he is awesome it's perfect for him it's just perfect, and he's great at it. Yeah, he does, He has a great personality for that. And yeah, and you know who else has gotten real good is Salvador in a totally different way. Um, I know you don't generally watch a lot of games on TV because you're usually there or road games, but uh, his analysis between periods is so good. It's like a coach-level good. I was uh, for game two for the second and third period and then the second intermission report. I was at the set with Erica and I went and I kind of like moved over and I was doing my thing at intermission and Sal, you know, came up and did his spiel and he always, you know, does like the stop the tape and does like the pen and everything. Yeah. 
And I was just sitting there like arched over watching him because I feel like every time he talks, there's like a nugget of just knowledge. And I want to learn as much as I can from him. He's so good. Because I think too, and this is just like me personally, I watch these games and I like, I see the articles afterwards and it's, you know, like bashing the team or, you know, saying, oh, the team's not good and stuff like that. And for me, I always look at it and I'm like, I don't play the game. I've never played the game. So I can sit down and say, you know, like I can give my observations and opinions on stuff like that. But like, Mm. I want to talk to people like Sal that really understand like the nuances of the game. And because, you know, you can look, I can look at something and say, oh, this player was out of position. I can go talk to someone who either was a former player, a current player, a coach, and they'd be like, well, no, because if you look at this player, this player really needs to be there. And I wouldn't have looked at it that way. Yeah, yeah. They know the system. They know those things. So I always try to kind of keep that in mind when I write. And I always try to ask as many questions as I can before I sit down and say, oh, like this so-and-so had a horrible game because maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, correct. And and it's it's funny. I don't know, think you were covering the team at the time. Uh, when Salvador was named captain, it was actually controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of people that were like, why? Like, are you sure he's a nice player and he's a leader in the room, but like captain, it was a very questionable move. And watching his analysis, you can see it. You can totally see why. Oh, 100%. He's so, he's so nice, but he's so good. And he really does have an understanding of breaking everything down. And like I said, it's just a nugget of information. He could coach. He could coach on a very high level, very high level. Absolutely. Like, like he could go right from the press box to coaching an NHL team. If someone gave him a shot, he's that good. And you could tell because like the way that he, it's just the way he explains everything and puts everything down. It's like, okay. Like he'll show about, okay, like this, you know, McLeod went, you know, a little too high, which pulled Graves out. And in reality, you would sit down and watch it and you would say, oh, Graves is out of position. But then you have the understanding of why he's out of position. Right. He's, he's moving. Exactly. And I think when you are the casual fan and don't really have that understanding of it, you're going to go on Facebook and say, oh, Graves sucks. Graves needs to be traded, blah, blah, blah. But there's a reason for it. And for me, I feel like it's my responsibility to really learn all of those things so that when Mm -hmm. I break down a game for somebody who doesn't have the access that I have, I'm breaking it down the proper way. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And that's uh, that's something as I've played the game my whole life. It's much easier to see in person. Uh, Sometimes it's tough to miss that on TV, but it's very easy to see like, well, you know, well, why was that defenseman so far out of position? Well, he's going to that spot because somebody else went to this spot. And when he sees that, he's supposed to do this. Full, full stop, if that's what the puck is. Um, so that's generally how that has to go. Well, there was also an instance where um, I saw a bunch of people were blaming Siegenthaler for, like, blown coverage. But when you went back and watched it and Sal pointed it out, he said, he goes, he looked over and McLeod, I, I don't know why, I'm not picking on McLeod right now. This, is yeah. just, this just happens to be the examples. McLeod was skating with the opposing player. You see Siegenthaler look back. He sees McLeod with the guy and then continues to go on his merry way. What he didn't know was that McLeod left that guy open. Yeah. That's how the goal was scored. And everyone's like, oh, Siegenthaler had blown coverage. No, no, no. Siegenthaler thought that guy was handled. And yes. I think after that game, after that goal, I think McLeod was actually benched the rest of that game for that instant. But he was indeed. 
there's certain things where, like I said, you have to really pay attention and some people just don't care about it. You know, some people just want to watch the game for what it is and just, you know, go on Twitter or Facebook and complain and, you know, bash all these players, but there is a further understanding to it. And I think that for me, I want to learn more about that because I was even talking to somebody and I think it was a game where the devils had like, I don't know, through like two periods, they had like 30 something shots on goal. Mm -hmm. They had no goals. And it was like, how, how are the devils not scoring? They have so many shots. And then you sit and listen to like a goaltender talk and the goaltender goes, yeah, they have that many shots, but none of them are high danger. So it's really like looking at the shots is not really fair to say, oh, they're not scoring because look where they're shooting from. And it's yeah. all these little things that you don't really think about. You just see 39 shots, zero goals. How is that possible? But then you have somebody who stops the puck and goes, well, no, they're not, they're not good shots. So like they're, you know, they're easy to stop. That's why there's no goals. So there's so many nuances to the game that it's just always so fun to, if you care to learn, it's just so much fun to learn it. Yeah. Hockey's a, a wonderful game. Um, and I had a, an argument with a, a coworker who was like, I, I don't, I don't like hockey because like nobody, nobody really knows what the rules are. I'm like, do you like football? He's like, yeah, I watch college football. I'm like, what's offensive holding? I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Like, go for it. What's a, what's what's defensive pass interference? Let's go. Show me it consistently. And again, I'll wait. It's you can't. Awful. You yeah. can't. Yeah, it's subjective. Like, you know, hooking. Can you can you hook him a little bit? Yeah, you can hook him a little bit. Just just a touch. Just a, pull too hard. Uh, uh-uh, it's a no no. Like, it's there's a line. You know, that's it's. It's almost funny because it's almost like I kind of relate it to like if you're driving down the highway, you could be doing like if speed limit 65, you could do 75 and pass a cop and the cop's not going to bother you. You could be going no. 70 in a 65 and you're going to get pulled over for speeding. And it's kind of just like it's it depends on the mood. Like you could see so even in the other games in the playoffs, like some referees are calling everything and some refs are letting certain things go. As long as they're consistent within the same game, that's all I care about. Like, I'll be, I'm totally honest with you. As long as the same calls are getting made for both teams, either call it tight or let it go loosey-goosey, just be consistent. And I thought in the last game, they had, the refs were actually pretty consistent. Yeah, I would, yeah. I, would I, thought, I thought they were overall net neutral in the, in the game, which is what you're looking for. Yeah, and I think too, like I always say, I think the game is so fast. That I really I would never want to be a ref. I've said this before. I think it's so hard. Oh, it's impossible. It it's impossible. And trying and get it right every single. Oh time. God, no! It's no, no. It's 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 got to be. Jeez, well, the puck and the players moving at that speed. That's nuts. It's crazy. I mean, even look at when they do like if they're reviewing a, like a goal. Like you can look at one angle and say, oh yeah, clear goal, clear goal, and then they switch the angle on you. And you're like, oh, wait, no, it didn't, like, it didn't cross the line. So I couldn't imagine just being one human being standing in one spot, watching a play unfold, and then just, like, raise the hand for a penalty. It has to be so hard. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, there's And the, with the replay stuff and what they review, there's definitely ways they can do that better. But it does help. The one that drives me nuts is, like, the, the offsides on the play call. That's been seconds, I mean, sometimes – 15 to 20 seconds past the actual offsides and in some cases the other team has touched the puck but because it hasn't gone back out of the zone and you score you can challenge it for offsides like that makes no sense to me the second the other team touches the puck that's it no more challenge for offsides it's done and we go from there that's what it should be and in my opinion exactly 
Um, so yeah, so I'm just going to recap real quick because we have a couple minutes left for, to record this. Uh, this was kind of an all over the place episode. Big time. Big time. All <laughs> over the fully commit to the playoffs. But again, life has, it was fun. Life has been crazy for both of us. And Ryan texted me and said, we have to get something out. And he was going to do it by himself and be the trooper. And I said, you know what? I'm currently half asleep, but let's just get this done. It's been a hot minute since we got to really like chat with all of our listeners. I know. I, so, still, I was I was going to do the Tim Dillon. I was going to put sunglasses on and rant into the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so, 100% what I was going to do. <laughs> so I'm happy that we did get to at least chat. Yeah, me too. What you were expecting, but this is where we're at. And we'll try to jump in. Um, we'll try to jump in again at some point. Yeah, definitely. I might try to come down um, and hang out around uh, the Newark area for the next home game. Uh, I've got a client down there that I can always go visit and make it a very convenient one-two punch mm -hmm. and then like hang out for an hour and maybe try to be home by game time. Um, I, I I didn't bite the bullet on playoff tickets, unfortunately. If anybody's got uh, if everybody's got extras, holler at your boy and uh, we can we can negotiate. But, you know, it was uh it was tough, man. I wasn't expecting them to charge, but they were charging. Uh, I'll be totally honest with you with that one. You know, yeah. I understand that it's the Rangers, but like, it was a serious, a serious amount of money. And I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to be completely real with you. I don't even know what the tickets, pr ticket prices are. That was so low on my list of like my to-do list of things to do that I don't, I don't, I knew they were expensive, but I yeah. really looked it up. So I'm a season ticket holder for next year, not this year. So I don't know if it was different for this year's season ticket holders. I got what the partial plan people mm -hmm. this year got access to, which was pre-sale. Um, and my seats in section 117, row five, were $212 a piece um, when you purchase them uh, for the playoffs. Now, typically these are $26 a piece per game if you have season tickets. So I was expecting them to be like 50, 60, 75 bucks, maybe a hundred. Two, two twelve was a tough, a tough nut to crack, man. Yeah, that's really that a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I agree with you. It, it, yeah. That, that is a lot. Cause somebody, um, somebody asked me if there were a lot of Devils fans at MSJ. Um, and just where I, when I like just looked in my area, like just below me, I saw like maybe like five or six devil's jerseys, but when there's I, some red speckles, but when I shot the video of Hamilton's overtime winner, then you hear that there were more devil's fans. I just, I, like I That's said, I, I was on sensory overload <sighs> yesterday. I, I couldn't tell you anything. If it, if it did not involve the actual game that I was paying attention to, I couldn't tell you anything. Else. That's all good. Well, that's, that's probably a great way for us to wrap it up. Yes. So thank Perfect. you for tuning in and we will catch you guys soon. See you guys.